All right, welcome back. Grant and Danny without Grant and Daner today. Scott Jackson and Chris Naki here with you on 106.7 The Fan and streaming live with the free Odyssey app. Our pleasure right now to jump on the BetQL guest hotline. Bring in Matt Paris, uh, Washington Commanders beat reporter for the Washington Times. It's been busy this weekend, Matt. You know, so much for your three-day weekend, just chilling out. You know, Eric Bieniemy gets hired late Friday, and you guys have got to get to work. Yeah, I mean, luckily it has been clear for quite a while, so I was able to pre-write. That delay on Friday was uh, quite good for me because I was able to uh, get my story done ahead of time. See, look, there's a little insider information right there for you, Chris. Uh, this is how these guys do it, the real pros Absolutely. Like a smart man. <laughs> hey, Matt, let's start with this. What do you make of how we got here? Uh, is this just a great circumstance for Washington that these other chairs are kind of removed from options for Eric Bieniemy? Uh, or or should people be concerned uh, that Eric Bieniemy was available, which I get a lot of people asking me, like, oh, no, is this Andy Reid pulling another one over on this team? Um, I would say it's probably more of the first one. I was surprised a little bit that Baltimore in particular didn't uh, wait for him to at least interview for the position, but Todd Munkin is more than qualified for his spot. He's had a good track record of producing exciting offenses at the NFL level, uh, you know, the enemy, because he's been able, unable to hand, uh, to land a head coaching job. I understand why something like Washington could be appealing to him, you know, as much as it may be unfair that he is under Andy Reid's shadow, like Matt Nagy or Doug Peterson weren't, um, you know, he's going to go out there and, and get a shot to call plays with Washington and, uh, I think kind of proved to people that he deserves a head coaching job. What's the perception around the league of this? You know, I mean, is this something that uh, do, do, are we making a bigger deal out of it here than the, you know, than the buzz would be around the the, the rest of the the NFL? Yeah, I've been really intrigued by by the reaction, and I just wrote about this a little bit uh, yesterday. Is that the the national perception? seems to be much more focused on the fact that the enemy did have to make this jump in the first place, that mm-hmm. he wasn't a realistically a candidate for any of the, the coaching jobs this cycle. Robert Griffin III called it a travesty. Lewis Riddick was outspoken as well. It got a little bit of a segment on Bomani Jones's HBO show. It, you know, the, the attention nationally there has, that's been the focus there. As for you know how he fits with Washington, it really hasn't just drawn that much attention. But for the, those focusing it at home, I think people are are excited. Uh, we're here with Matt Paris, uh, Matthew underscore Paris on Twitter, uh, Washington Times uh, Commanders reporter here with us on uh, Grant and Danny, Scott Jackson, Chris Naki in here today on 106.7 The Fan. Now, look, he has his assistant uh, head coach title he's going to be able to call plays here which obviously he was not able to do in Kansas City won't have to have any questions about that anymore it looks like he's going to have a lot of influence he had these uh, meetings reportedly that included some staff in there with him do you anticipate that he will in fact bring in some staff with him uh, Matt and have the ability to do that and you know how much power will he have to you know you know maybe disagree with Ron Rivera's assessment on some things including on who the quarterback should be yeah um uh, you know, I do think he'll have a say of which guys to bring in, to, to, whether he brings in a, a few assistants or not. I doubt he takes this job if he wasn't on board with Sam Howell. I mean, that was Washington was telling prospective candidates that's who 
would likely be the quarterback in 2023. If he didn't want that job, he could have easily stayed in Kansas City, I believe. So um, how outside of that, you know, the the staffing question, I think, is a lot more interesting. Um, We've seen with how Rivera's handled with Jack Del Rio. I mean, it still was mostly Rivera guys, but he did give Del Rio, you know, Del Rio brought Brent Bieselmeyer with him uh, from Las Vegas or from Oakland rather uh, to Washington with him. And so Del Rio has a a few of his guys on staff, but it is mostly Rivera um, people. I see this story that David Terrell may be uh, in line for a job with the Cardinals, although he, he got passed up on the offensive coordinator position. But apparently, you know, Jeremy Fowler just reported about passing him coordinator role with the Cardinals. So, I mean, obviously that would open up a spot. He's the receivers coach for those that don't know. So, I mean, that, that's what I, I'm kind of curious to see about all this stuff. And, uh, you know, because, again, you know, a, a group that still has this uncertain future, you know, how, how easy or hard is it to, you know, put a staff together uh, you know, knowing that the, the certainty is uh, really not there outside of this year alone. Yeah, I mean, that that's – I, I thought that, too, for the enemy in the first place. Like, why would the enemy want to take this when Rivera and this whole staff could be gone in a year? But, you know, coaches, there are only so many of these jobs available, especially if it's for a position where it would be promotion. Then I think you would get guys – interested in and uh you know the enemy has had a long time to think about this had a long time to formulate his own kind of staff if he ever got a head coaching job so i'm sure he has guys out there that he would want to bring with him it's just a matter of like how many how many people is that and is rivera on board with some of those people uh, you know have, have you been able to get any quotes from players I would I would think for any of these guys who've watched Kansas City throw the ball all over the field, you know, for, for the last yeah. three or four years, they'd be excited about this. Yeah, um, you know, I've just noticed the reactions kind of on Twitter. Jahan Dotson had a uh, used the the smiley face with the hearts emoji. Uh-huh. Uh, Charles Charles Leno had kind of uh, used an applause, clapping hands emoji. So it, it does seem like people are excited about this. I haven't talked to any players personally, but um, yeah, I do think it's well-received because look, I mean, the Eric enemy is a two-time winning uh, offensive coordinator who's won championships. So he, he brings quite the resume to Washington. We're talking to Matt Paris, Washington Times Commanders reporter, via the BQL guest hotline with us here on Grant and Danny. Grant and Danny out today. Scott Jackson, Chris Naki here on 106.7 The Fan. Uh, the quarterback part's interesting. I've seen some reports that, you know, maybe he really dug in and, and gave his evaluation on that Dallas game, you know, that, that Sam Howell started. And, and I guess we'll have to maybe wait until Thursday to see how much he wants to share with us on this. But you got to imagine, as the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs last year, he was asked to put together, you know, his quarterbacks list, like all these assistant coaches do, are going into drafts, and, and probably had some preconceived notions about Sam Howell. And uh, it, it sure seems like just logically, because of what the parameters are right now with the ownership, this doesn't make sense for this team to go out and get a quarterback and pay for a quarterback and those kind of things as on the starting front. So it, w- it would seem like you know what Rivera said initially is going to have to remain true, just because of of kind of circumstance here, right? That that he's still going to be the guy 
and then maybe they bring in somebody to the draft or maybe a lower end, you know, guy, veteran type uh, via free agency. Is that kind of the anticipation still? Yeah, I would, I would say so. And I think the bigger question for me is what type of guy do they bring in if they, you know, Rivera has talked about uh, this competition, but it it won't be much of a competition if the guy that they bring in is clearly a worse player than Hal, or you know, if it's a like if it's a Stephen Montez type, um, <laughs> you know, where it it would clearly the job would clearly go to Hal. Um, you know, that there can only be so much competition there. Um, but yeah. Is Montez still in the league? I think he I played last night, right? Wasn't he on that XFL he, Seattle did team, he? right? Okay. Yeah. He, he was, but he wasn't in, he was a backup there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, if Ben Sandig is listening, I specifically mentioned uh, Stephen Montez for him. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Stephen's as big as a house. He's a big, he is a big, big guy. kid. That is, Ben sure. is the president of his fan yeah. club, I believe. You're correct on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the draft part of it's interesting because, you know, even you, you could have made the argument whether there was a staff change here or not, that they, they had to dra- draft the young quarterback, right, just to, you know, to keep their options open because, you know, as great as everybody felt leaving that Dallas game, it was still just one game. And then there's the backdrop of, hey, this guy was somebody who fell to the fifth round for whatever reason uh, in Sam Howell. So you, you kind of, to you know, obviously cover yourself. You need to think long and hard about drafting a quarterback. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And look, I think bringing in a, a veteran makes sense for them, whether to mentor Howell or to try and push him a little bit. Like, I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is, is interested here, but that's a guy that Marty Herney signed in Carolina. Now, Bridgewater helped Herney get fired in Carolina, so maybe he's not interested in the reunion there. But yeah. that's the type of guy who, at the stage of the uh, stage of his career, kind of makes sense. You know, he could be a spot starter if needed, but he's also probably not going to win too many starting jobs at this point. Yeah, it is fascinating. Of course, uh, again, Thursday we'll hear more about uh, this when uh, when Eric Bieniemy, uh takes the stand, if you will, on the uh, the podium at the uh, at Commanders Park, uh, talking about the hire. Do you, do you feel like the Commanders had him marked uh, coming into this thing, or was it more again circumstance that it just? As they're being patient here uh, with this search, it just slowly materialized that this was going to be a, a realistic option for them. Yeah, sort of both. Um, you know, you, you did hear Biennemi's name a little bit earlier in the process. Um, I can't remember his name, but there was an NFL insider out of Denver, I think, that mentioned uh, Biennemi with N. Washington, like, very early on in the process, but I don't necessarily think that, I mean, maybe this is what Rivera wanted all along and why it took so long. It took over a month, but once it became clear in the, in the final few weeks that, all right, the enemy is going to be an option. They, they wanted to wait for him. You know, they weren't going to hire Pat Shermer like two weeks ago when the enemy could be interviewed in a matter of weeks. Do you think this gives Rivera, who I, I'm not going to say his seat is hot. It's certainly warm on the basis of the free fall over the last few weeks of the season. But do you think this gives him a little bit more margin for error going into next year when you've got Biennemi under contract for, uh, I don't know, it was a couple of years. It was a multi-year deal. But um, does this change his 
perspective at all? Um, I think it changes his perspective and maybe how fans look at him. It seems like fans are really kind of reacting positively to this move. It, it buys him some goodwill, maybe cools his seat from fans who want to see him fired. But look, you know, Rivera is going to have to win games. <laughs> you know, they're, they're coming off back-to-back seasons without the playoffs. Um, you know, if, if things go south, maybe fans will start calling for the enemy to become the head coach and for Rivera to be fired and everything there. So you never know how these things play out. But, I mean, the, the best course of action for Rivera is that this hire works, that this offense becomes the least average. Yeah, yeah and win games. I, I wonder how new ownership plays into this whole thing, too. You know, that's a, a sort of the X factor here, too. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that, that beats me. Like, Rivera has had, you know, you look in Carolina when David Tepper was there. David Tepper gave Rivera an extra year after his first year there. Tepper came in in 2018. Rivera got to 2019, but he didn't make it through 2019. So, you know, new owners always kind of come in and look to make their impact right away. And it's on the, the existing regime to kind of navigate those waters. Is there anything new on the on the ownership front outside of the things that we've heard lately, which are guy you know certain candidates have in fact you know done the tours of uh, the practice facility and the stadium? Yeah, no, uh, I mean that's mostly you know that's been the most recent buzz is that prospective buyers are, are touring the facilities. You know, Josh Harris has been the only one linked publicly, but there I think at least two others that have toured it. Uh, I'm not sure who those people are, but, uh, you know, the, it's developing kind of behind the scenes, but in terms of whether we're actually any closer to this getting done, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing. Uh, Matt Paris, uh, good enough to join us. If you haven't done it, do it. Follow him on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris. And uh, thanks, uh, Matt. Appreciate it. Look forward to, uh, to hearing and reading all your stuff coming up here uh, this week on uh, Eric B. Enemy's arrival here in D.C. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. All right, thank you, Matt Paris, via the BitQL guest hotline with us. So, yeah, there, there's I have somebody to tweet me. This is a good question um, from T. Parker. Says uh, multiple choice answer was number one. He the runt of the litter. Two pick of the litter. Three last man standing. Or <laughs> you know what, what are the what are the options there? Well, I don't think he was ever the runt of the litter when you consider some of the guys that they had brought in here. Not yeah. even close. I think. Uh, for them, or the people that we know that they interviewed and had had an options for, I'd say two, he would be more the pick of the litter. Now, was there a little bit of last man standing involved here? Yeah. Absolutely. But That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was some of that. Now, I, I do think from his perspective, it's gutsy, right? I mean, this guy, uh, T. Parker says, I think he committed coaching suicide. I, I think he just feels like if he really wants the ultimate goal, which is to be this, to be a head coach or to be taken seriously as a head coaching candidate – he felt like he had to do this, and, and it seems ridiculous that he had to do it. But, I mean, what would be the ultimate flex, if you will, to come here and make this offense a, a top-tier offense? Maybe well, not going to be the Kansas City Chiefs offense, but anywhere towards the top of the league would be a huge improvement, or the middle of the league, quite well, frankly, I mean, a huge improvement. Also, let's be serious here. I, does Biennemi make that jump if it's the Texans? Right, probably. He, he, yeah. he, he sees a skill set here. Yeah. Uh, a, a set of skilled players that really are a top third in the NFL, right? I mean, yeah. so if you're going to make it happen, if you're going to do, you know, if you're looking for the flex, this is a place where you could do that. Yeah. 
I, I agree. I, I think it's um, it's a gutsy move on his part in that regard. But I do think the roster's good. And, and that's what frustrated me about this season. I think this roster was good enough to be in the playoffs, and they they blew it. I mean, granted, look, there were some the limitations at quarterback. I, I totally i am not overlooking that. Obviously, the offensive line, they made some terrible decisions personnel-wise with, with the things they did in the offseason uh, to lead us up to the point. But they were still good enough to get well, into the playoffs. To me, the most maddening part of the season is I, I cannot stand the Giants. You lose to them yes. twice. And and both games, you think. I mean, we we have we. It appears we have better players, right? And it appears they have a better staff. Yes, that's that's a great one. And again, the second Giants game is more maddening than the first Giants game because you had the extra week. You didn't look any smarter. You actually looked dumber. And the, this is to me what killed Scott Turner was that Absolutely. he forgot who his best player was that night, uh, who was just killing the Giants, and that obviously was the rookie Brian Robinson in the first half, and then. Totally ignored him uh, in the second half for the most part, and it was it was maddening. And, yeah, there were some bad calls in the game. I'm not uh, forgetting all that stuff, but still, it should have never got to that point. It was just – it was obnoxious. But I, I really do think that was that was a, an indictment on, on all of them. And then, of course, then it was like the panic ma- the panic mode after that to put Carson Wentz back on the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that worked out. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, you had dodged – kind of got away with one in a sense. Like, yeah, we made this bad decision in the offseason, but – Thank God for circumstance. He couldn't play all these weeks yeah. in Heineke. God, he got gave hurt. us a chance to be have a season, right? Yeah. And then you're like, all right, well, let's just go ahead and just try it one more time just to make sure. Well, bam, like, you know, right in your face. Is Heineke one of those vets you would you would want to stick around? I I'll be honest with you. I don't have I'm not like I, I know some guys who sit here normally and this show and other shows have said that like they feel like he's Tim Tebow somehow if he's here and it impacts I think you move Sam on. Howell. I don't think it does at all. I, I'll be honest with you. I think the fans here like Sam Howell a lot. And, it, you know, that he, he's been extremely well-received. It will continue to be as long as he plays well. So I don't think there's a fear. I think you know that the locker room trusts him and he could plug and play him on little notice if you need to. Or you, I guess you could start from scratch. I mean, is there? here's the other thing. Is there like an obvious backup out there that has some type of – Eric Bieniemy relationship, and I don't think so. Chad Henney's retiring, right? Right, right. Um, right. I, maybe I'm missing somebody, but I mean, I don't know if there is. Yeah, I, again, is the pr- what's the price like, right? And what are, I don't think Taylor Heineke's going to have some amazing, you know, um, market for him to no, be a starter. No. He's going to go somewhere to be a backup. Yeah. Uh, here, if you're backing up a, you know, it's essentially a rookie, you might get on the field again. You know, yeah. anywhere else, not so much. In terms of business for him off the field, by the way. Do you think anybody in Green Bay or, no, or, or Las I Vegas mean, cares that he no. died for the pylon in a game against the uh, Buccaneers? Also, I'm not going to say he's local, but he feels local now because nah, he he's been here for a few years. Yeah. Went to ODU, right? Yeah. Um, so it's there's a lot to like about the story, but I just wonder sometimes um, if it if it might be time to get out of the Heineke business. Yeah, maybe it's just a one year uh, deal. I don't know, and you know, with some more money and again incentives but what have you but I, I just i'm not sure what they're again when they're going out shopping if you're a backup quarterback you know and they've already told everybody hey this is our guy right here you know you got to be somebody that doesn't have any other options to start right you'd have right. to be somebody who has no other starting options and maybe they can find that player and they can get him up to speed quick enough maybe it's not an offense that's gonna be hard for them to to understand and be a part of but i, I do think there's gonna be a drafted quarterback uh, in the mix as well yeah likely I That's mean, my feeling. Yeah, and as you said, makes too much sense. Supposed to be a quarterback rich. Yeah, draft exactly. And do I mean? And again, 
This it, is what's so attractive about the idea of Sam Howell is that rookie contract and what the Eagles just did, right? You can go out and be bold and fix other positions because you're paying your quarterback, you know, the rookie contract instead of, you know, what you're paying Russell Wilson, for example, like what happened in Seattle. I think it's kind of interesting how the model has changed to where you bring, you draft a guy and then the world insists that you, you make him hold a clipboard for three years. <laughs> right, right. You know, Brock yeah. Purdy, J- yeah. Jalen, you, you look at all you these guys who, yeah. you know, who play basically in pro offenses as a college player. Clearly, the game is different uh, athletically yeah. and all that. I get that. But, I mean, uh, but they, they no longer have to sit and wait. That's no longer a part of the equation. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. All right. Uh, had a few days to digest the enemy higher. Uh, still feeling strong about it? Or maybe got some concerns? 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. We'll give you some reaction to that. Got some tweets as well. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Jackson Sports. Uh, you can reach me there. You can uh, hit up Chris at X Coach Naki on Twitter. It is Grant and Danny minus the fellas today. Scott Jackson with you here on 1067 The Fan, along with Chris Naki and the Odyssey app. All right, Grant and Danny out today. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Thanks again to Matt Paris from the uh, Washington Front Times for joining us via the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. All right, um, Got an interesting tweet here, Naki. By the way, phone lines open 800 636 1067, 800 636 1067. And your thoughts on Bienemy? I, I think it's bold on his part. Uh, I think it was smart on Rivera's part, who clearly maybe lost the trust of some uh, fans in the offseason, you know, going into this offseason. Oh, no way, question. After the way the season ended. No question. And, and I think there has been this rap on him, which has been proven by, well, the actions he's done, which is. They dip into the Carolina pool too much, whether it be staff uh, or or obviously players or former players of his, right? So I think there was this feeling going into this process. This was going to be somebody he knew or worked with, you know, what have you. Now, there's a knowledge of the enemy because of his relationship with Andy Reid and, and that kind of thing. But this is, I, I would say, somewhat out of the the box in a sense of what I think people were looking at coming into the process as to who could be here. So I give him a huge, you know, give him huge marks for that, for pulling it off. Certainly a pat on the back. Yeah. Yeah, huge marks for that. Now, a guy <laughs> named Power Boater, 6'9", uh-huh, uh, says, does Dan Snyder get zero credit for enemy hire? He okayed the payroll. No way an assistant coach gets hired without Snyder's participation, unless we believe that Rivera decided to bring in his potential replacement on his own. Well, here's the thing about the potential replacement. Um, first of all, if Dan Snyder doesn't longer no longer on the team, I mean, all these guys are in jeopardy of not – doesn't matter. I mean, it's a two-year deal. They can get out of any of that, right? Sure. Yeah, they can get rid of all that stuff. So it doesn't matter. But as far as Snyder's involvement, yeah, I mean, he's got to approve it at this point. That's true. Uh, from what we've learned at this point, and maybe we'll hear otherwise on Thursday, uh, I don't think he left the yacht to come – Agreed. Uh, to come over there and close the deal. I think like he has for the last couple of years, he continues to be out out of the picture. Like 
And I think this is what the NFL wants. Yeah, and I want to also address one of the other sort of implications of of that tweet, Mm -hmm. and that is the fact that um, the perception that there's no way that Ron Rivera would alone bring in his potential replacement. Right. Ron Rivera has been around the NFL since he was a player, you know, in the early 80s, right? And he knows it's either win or, or, you know, it's not for long, right? Right. NFL, Jerry Glanville. Yeah. So he's going to bring in the best possible guy he is. He's not worried about being replaced. He's worried about winning. Yeah. That's it. I, and I, I don't think that there was any thought that Rivera had about, Jesus, I may be signing my own death warrant. Nah, I don't here. either. I, I've, I've seen this from a lot of people, and it doesn't make any sense, first of all, because, again, if the offense gets good, then that means that'll be good for Ron. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That, that means it's going to be good for everybody. So that, that's the only way. Now, if Bienemy doesn't do well and Ron gets fired, they're not going to promote him, right? Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of can't have one without the other. So if it does well, then that's good for Ron. It's good for everybody. Unless, I guess, they have a great offense and the defense stinks and Ron makes some bad decisions and that gets – I don't know. But I don't well, know this does thing. ratchet up implicitly, though. It does ratchet up the expectations sure. and the pressure on Ron. Now, I, I say that. And, and I acknowledge the question that I just asked yeah. in the last segment was, does this give cool down Rivera's seat a little bit? It may temporarily cool down his seat, but then next year when you get all these guys on the field and you've got a, you know, you got a, a, a rock star group of receivers, accomplished group of receivers, and you've got, you know, two, you know, very uh, at least B-plus running backs, if not A-minus running backs, then the expectations are going to be ramped up. Well, I, I figured no matter what happened this year, right? Like, no matter who they hired, no matter what it was, there was going to be ramped up expectations just because, you know, or pressure, I should say, even if the expectations weren't high, because you would have, you would hope within the next few months, a new owner in place, right? And then going, you know, it's probably too late now to go out and get a Sean Payton. Obviously, it is. Right. right. <laughs> or whoever. Now. There's no obvious person to go out and get this late in the process. So they're good through this year, much like kind of what happened with North Turner here, right? And then he actually had a really good 99 season to the point where Snyder's like, okay, you're our guy, and then they fire him you know, late games. in the following season yeah. where they didn't live up to expectations uh, of that year. So, you know, I, I think I felt like all along, you know, nothing was going to change unless it was just this miraculously fast process, which there never is in these sales. There's never a fast process. Yeah, never a fast process, but also uh... – if you're looking at, into next season, and I'll put Philadelphia aside okay. for the time being, right? Who out there can't you leapfrog? That's it. Like, really, you could be that's, leapfrog that's all. Of them. Yeah, you could leapfrog all those teams. I mean, as great a season it was for the Giants, I mean, I think there's you got to step back and go. All right, it was one year. You know, they. You know, we'll I mean, see. they turned Daniel Jones into a player. Yeah, and they got to is... sign him now, and they're probably going to pay him a lot more yeah. money than they would have before. Uh, so that's that kind of you know changes things up a little bit. They'll have to play a tougher schedule, obviously. All those things that go along with it. Yeah, Dallas has got Dallas problems still, which which always you know seems to be the case. You know, you you would expect it out west. You know, L.A. will be back better. You, think, yeah. you know, you, right. you would expect that to be the case. San Fran, you know, it was a good football team. That's just yeah, a really well run football hill, yeah. team. Right. But it, but do they scare you? No, and then you don't know what's going to happen. Not that Green Bay was in the playoffs, but I mean, if they move Rodgers on, which they you know may do, yeah, uh, then that changes a lot of things as well. I mean, are the Lions going to move up? Maybe you know, Vikings had a great year, but you know, 
couldn't get it done in the postseason. So, yeah, I mean, I, nobody really terrifies you outside of uh, – But to me, the Vikings are, are the Midwest's version of the Giants. A little bit of smoke and mirrors. Yes, yes. With, with the way the season went. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. All right, let's get to some calls here. Uh, 1-800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. Carlos and Alexandria, go ahead, buddy. Hey, thanks for doing the show, guys, uh, today. It's a good good show. Thanks, um, my, a little minor correction. We actually didn't lose twice to the Giants. We tied them right. once. Right. Well, it felt <laughs> like a loss, though, yeah, didn't sure it? sure did. <laughs> right. It felt, like, it, it felt like a loss. Exactly. You're right, though. You're right. Um, Ties a tie. It's, it's, pro- it's, and it's, prob- it's probably worse to tie them than to lose to them, actually. But yeah. anyway, um, the point here, I, 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 have you guys ever seen a situation in any major sport where an assistant coach has more at stake than a head coach? Because I think that's where we are right now. With this, I don't think there are much expectations in this town for Ron Rivera anymore, but there are these these massive expectations for Eric Bieniemy, and so that's what really puzzles me about this move. It looks like a lateral move, with all the chips in on him. If he, if he bombs here, he's never going to get talked about as a head coach again. No, that's fair. I mean, no, I mean that's why I said I said earlier that's a gutsy in a sense that he would would go all in here. I mean, I, I don't think it's a lateral move at all. Again, he wasn't calling plays, you know, on on the full time basis with the with the Chiefs, and it, and again, he's going to get to do all that, and he's an assistant coach, and he's making more money, so that's why it's not lateral per se. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're you, you're true. I mean, if he if he bombs, you're right. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be bad for him and his uh, his hopes of being a head coach. And I, I know this is fairly subjective when I ask this question, but w- what constitutes success? So so if they in a in a in a points happy NFL environment where yeah. teams are scoring, and and all the rules now really are made for the offense. Yes, they are. You know, shouldn't with this group shouldn't you be scoring 24 25 I would like points to think, a game yeah i was just gonna say like 24 points a game would be nice what yeah. were they scoring 19.7 last year or something goofy like that yeah but yeah. but not only that when it really mattered they couldn't score right giants games you know right. they they never scored enough even when the defense played well enough to win right I, and i guess ultimately it, it what constitutes success is getting to the playoffs yes but and and, and the enemy will be a part of that but in terms of upgrading what we've seen here They've got to score a touchdown more a game. Yes, you think. I agree. Yeah, I think it's a touchdown more game. Like the red zone offense, I was, of the Chiefs has been outrageous over these last several years. I'm like at 81. Well, they got Houdini it, playing. Yeah, they got Houdini back there, right? But the Commanders, meanwhile, or Washington Football, <laughs> in that same period of time, has been you know like bottom third of the league or whatever. And if you just look at like the last time they had a you know a top tier you know red zone offense, you have to go back to 2012, the Griffin year, right, where they had their own version of Houdini, right? And that's it. I mean, so it's been a long time. But if you can get to the middle part or, yeah. you know, just the middle part, like 15, you know. And that you don't area. have to be top five. Right, you don't have to be top five. But if you can get to 15, yeah. and, and same with scoring. Like, if you can get to that part of the league, then with this, again, assuming the defense doesn't have a setback of some weird sorts, right? That's the other thing that, you know, you always, you always have to say that because the year before they were surprisingly bad for most of the season. But, yeah, I mean, it's – it's not you don't again you don't have to be the Chiefs you don't have to be the top one two three four or five offense but if you get toward the top half of the league teams should be in theory a lot better and I agree that that it's it's it might be Fisher cut bait for Eric Bieniemy but I think that he's shrewd enough to have chosen well in terms of uh, yeah uh, in terms of which team he goes to by the way we got a tweet about Jacoby Brissett as your as your backup QB. As the veteran backup? As the veteran backup. And he's 
He's a pretty good veteran backup. Pretty good alternative. No, he would be a good alternative. Yeah. Um, you've heard about the, you know, people have been mentioning for a while too, like Andy Dalton, if he were available. No, I'm, I'm, I'm out. See, I'd on... rather keep Heineke than have Andy Dalton. Yeah, I'm frankly. out on the red rifle. Yeah. I have no interest yeah, in that. I don't, I'm not yeah. excited about that either. All right, let's get to uh, Dan in Fairfax. Dan, you're next up here on uh, 106.7 The Fan. Hey, guys, appreciate you having me. I'm sure. enjoying the show. You guys filling in. But um, I actually think Ron may have actually made this hire with an eye for his replacement because way things have been going ron's a little bit older two years from now three years from now things have gone well maybe not won a championship but he's still in that place of power within the organization i could see him transitioning like bruce there arian is i can never pronounce his last name down in tampa bay bruce to the front office position and eric saying hey you're the head coach now well i mean here's the problem with that he doesn't have a he's not talking to his current bo- like the boss that's in, currently in charge of him is not going to be the guy most likely knock on wood uh, in, in a couple of years when he gets to that point. So I, I've heard all these great theories, and it sounds wonderful. Uh, if that's what he's thinking, he's playing like ahead of everybody else. Because he's playing chess he, when everybody else is playing checkers. Right, because he has no <clears throat> idea what the new person's going to think about him. And let's just say, for the sake of argument, the new person's the same person who called up uh, Sean Payton and said, hey, would you like to coach the commanders if I get the team? So that clearly there's somebody out there that's got a lot of money that doesn't think a whole lot of the job he's done at this point. So I, I don't know if it's that simple. I think he's thinking about what's going to keep me my job, and this is the best uh, available candidate. To I, do that. I spot on, and I, yeah. you know, we ascribe all sorts of motives to moves like this. How about simply we need to win, right? We got the guys here to win. We got defense in place. We got, you know, we got exactly. enough. We got enough guys. All right, if you're on the line, hang in there. Got lots of you to get to. We got to get to a timeout. Uh, we'll talk to the Kansas City side of this thing at four o'clock uh, when Bill Moss joins us. Former. Kansas City Chief, and we will uh, talk to him then. But if you're on the line, Cliff, Tippy, Dave, Joseph, hang in there. We'll get you on the other side. It's Grant, Danny, minus the fellas today. Scott Jackson, Chris Naki here on 1067 The Fan. All right, welcome back. Grant and Danny here on 1067 The Fan. We'll talk to Bill Moss coming up. The chief side of all this Eric Bieniemy movement, do they feel like they have lost an important piece of what has been a heck of a run there in Kansas City? We'll uh, find that out for Bill uh, coming up here in a few. Uh, right now, back to the phones, uh, 800-636-1067. Uh, Scott Jackson, Chris Naki in for Grant and Danny today. Let's grab Cliff next. Cliff, thanks for waiting. Hey, uh, good evening, Scott. Um, I was looking at uh, two different things on Google. Yes. One says one says that four potential players could be coming here from Kansas City. Those four players are Nicole Hardman, Marquez Valdez Scantling, um, Jared McKinnon, and Orlando Brown Jr. The offensive tackle. And then there's another thing that says the enemy would like for the team to draft these five players in the draft. Offensive tackle Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Um, yes. The tight end, Mike Mayer out of Notre Dame. Um, he's running back out of Tulane, last name Spears. I guess he's going to be the uh, J.D. McKissick's replacement as a receiver out the backfield. Um, they're talking about a wide receiver, Kayshawn Booty out of LSU. And, yeah, they're talking about quarterback. And and, with, and the name they had down here is Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Yeah, he's probably a first-rounder. Well, a couple of those guys are first-rounders. Yeah. Right, yeah, tight, yeah, exactly. ends likely tight ends first, like his first rounders. Yeah. The tackles a first For rounder. Sure. Yeah, I don't see them going after any of those receivers you mentioned from the Chiefs. Does it really huh? fit? I mean, they've got receivers. I mean, they got receivers right now. 
I think they're pretty. I'd good be interested there. in offensive linemen, but that's yeah. you know uh, uh, that's it. And also, do you think they may have gotten granular when you when Rivera and and Bienemy have these discussions? They may have gotten granular about some NFL personnel. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. Eric Bieniemy's been coaching a team yeah, he all hasn't year had long. Time to watch college football. He's not he he's not poured over scouting reports at this point in time. Agreed. I wouldn't think. I, I wouldn't think so either. I mean, I think a lot of these NFL coaches, and there's nothing wrong with this because they're coaching, the, they're hired to coach the NFL team. Uh, that during the season that they're watching a college football slim, very right. slim. They're night before it's game planning, maybe you know off week or what have you, and maybe they've got insomnia. I, I think most of them are are finding little details about their own teams and not messing around with that kind of stuff. Let's get to uh, Tippy and Wheaton. What's happening, Tippy? Scott, thanks for taking my call, buddy. How you doing, man? Really, really enjoying the show. I've been following Maryland basketball since Will Hetzel. There you go. And I don't even, yeah, I don't even turn the TV on because the radio broadcast is so good. My man. Gosh, darn y'all are good. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. What a thing! I'd like to thank Ron for his courtesy and shout out to all the Hall of Famers out there. What a great pick, the enemy! It's exciting. The main thing you need is imagination. You ain't got to be Salvador Dali, but you got to have a good imagination to be the offensive coordinator. I think he's the right man for the right job. To tell you the truth, you mentioned the. Uh, uh, all-star game, the college all-stars used to play the NFL yeah. champions. They flipped out one year because the all-stars beat the Green Bay Packers, and they just couldn't believe it. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think Patterson really showed something that last game running the ball. i like to see him more into the groove. Uh, and real quick, uh, Jabbar, he never took one three-pointer. Will Chamberlain never fouled out of a game, and I'm going to leave you with this Yogi. He went Yogi Bear. He went four for four. The paper the next day said three for four. He called up the paper and said, what happened? He said, I was three for four. I was four for four. They said, don't worry about it, Yogi. We'll fix it. It was a technical error. He said, no, it wasn't. It was a clean single up the middle. <laughs> hey, thanks for taking my call. Great show. Thanks, Tippy. Tippy always a wealth of, of information. Love it. Uh. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. And I, I, you know what? One of the things I he said, it, there was a lot to unpack there, but one of the things he said was about the imagination it takes to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And uh, that goes back to what I said in our very first segment about the fact that you hope that even through osmosis that he learned from Andy Reid. That's right. And Andy Reid is so outside the box. I, I watched in the second half of that Super Bowl and the plays that he dialed up was an apparent, you know, against what was supposed to be the best defense right. that they'd seen all year long. It was a clinic. Yeah, it really Uncoverable was. Uncoverable. Some of the stuff he was running. They had guys, again, running wide open. Most of the stuff the Eagles were getting were contested catches. You know, yep. credit to them for doing it. And I mean, Jalen Hurts to me should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl, even losing. It was it, maybe if he didn't have a turnover, he would have been. And it, it was the fumble. It the was fumble, fumble was the play of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, but he was pretty awesome, needless to say. But that that was a you know a fun, fast moving second half. And if you like Chiefs offense, you had to be in absolute heaven. All right, eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. Let's get back to the MGM National Listener Line and uh, talk to Davey and Sterling. What's happening, Dave? Hey. Uh- Thanks for the call, Scott. Sure, man. Um, 
I've, I've been a, Re- a Redskins fan since for almost 60 years. And with the change of ownership, which I'm sure there's going to be a change in coach, and now we have new OC, um, my question is, what do, what do they have to work with with the new regime? What's their salary cap situation? Um, and who are we possibly going to lose? What do they have to work with? You're talking about this offseason? Of I'm sorry, you're talking about this offseason? Yeah, it's offseason. Well, I mean, so obviously the, we biggest, have... the biggest concern this offseason is is uh, Deron Payne. I mean, that's the one Clearly. you got to that, That's number one. Uh, on your list in terms of taking care of him. Now you can always you can always tag him for a year if you have to wait because again part of the problem with what they're going to be dealing with right now is the fact that they have you know this limbo with ownership right by the time free agency starts they're probably not going to have a new owner in place that would be mean that with Dan Snyder would have to put money in escrow like signing bonus money right in order to do a long term deal for anybody so that's why I don't think they're going to be a killer in free agency at all. I, I see this more as like you're going to have to tag him. Maybe you can still get a deal done with the new guys in place uh, what, afterwards. What does Deron Payne fetch you on the open market? That's a great question. And I think that's something you have to wonder about. I think that's something I would yeah. investigate. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I think a- once you tag him, you can find out pretty quickly because obviously then you're saying that you're giving up two number ones for him, which I don't think anybody's going to do. But if you got a one and a other one, then do you, you know, whatever a one in a second day pick or a third day pick would you be would you be moved then to do it probably not yeah but if i could get the two number ones i mean he's a dominant player yeah it a uh, big big year yeah um i but i think he would fetch you uh, you know in 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 this day and age he might get you the two uh, the two number ones yeah i you know it's a good year the problem is it's a good year for uh defensive tackles and free agency so there's some others as well that might be out there that might not be tagged. So I, I, that's what I'll be curious to see. And, and, and again, the draft, which is always the cheapest route to go with all of them. But in terms of cap space right now, I think they're guesstimating. And again, this is with once they kick Wentz's deal off of it, I think you're looking in the range of like uh, 20 plus at that point. But again, a lot of that will be eaten up by Deron Payne. Uh, if you cap now, I believe the tag number is what, 18 ish? Mm-hmm. Something around that right now, so that's that's part of it too. So, and they can create other space. I think yeah, there's a they chance can. they will as well. It's, you know, do that. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I yeah. know. I, I think it's um again. We'll get the. If you're, I think they're they're saying anywhere like thirty three million. I guess after the Carson Wentz cut is the latest thing I've seen now. Thirty three million. Just make that happen around. Yeah, I don't know what they're waiting. Well, I know what they're waiting for, but yeah, it's going to be it, roughly around thirty three million now that the cap's gone up to two twenty four point eight or whatever they say it's going to be. All right. Bill Moss will join us at the top there. We'll get his take from the Kansas City side of things on Eric Bieniemy and what he will bring to the commanders and obviously what that means for the folks there in Kansas City. They even worried about it. I mean, they does, the, does it just the train keep moving as long as Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid are together? Uh, we'll get to that coming up. It is uh, Grant and Danny Show minus Grant and Danny with Chris Naki, Scott Jackson here on 106.7 The Fan and streaming live on the Odyssey app.